Hey friends, welcome to This Good Word. My name is Steve Weens, the host, as always, and today I have my good friend Dan Cook. He is a former agnostic. He is the host of a brand new podcast called The Unlikely Seminarian, which you're going to want to check out. Check the show notes for links to that. And uh, Dan also goes to the church that I pastor, and uh, he's become an amazing preacher, communicator, and I love this guy, and you're going to love this interview. Then go out and check out his podcast, The Unlikely Seminarian. Dan, here you are. Here I am. I am so excited about this. I've been thinking about um, the many questions I want to ask you, and uh, and and we're in studio here. How I about mean, that, right? This is not a Skype nope. conversation. Nope. This is a face-to-face. Uh, so we're going to get into your new podcast, okay. The Unlikely Seminarian. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into the journey that you've been on in the last four or five years. Uh, we're going to talk about how you cultivated your radio voice because it's so deep and bassy and good. It was, ooh, boy, that was yeah. uh, it was a cultivation <laughs> issue too. Yeah, I, I did. I had to work on that. Uh, we're going to talk preaching. Okay. And anything else that you know comes up for us? So well, baseball at some point, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we can talk about the the morning that yes. I'm in. Yes. About the fact that Minnesota no longer has a good baseball team and hasn't for the last five years. Ah, there's one over on the east side. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there the you Saints. Go. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Dan. So, yeah. uh, first of all, just give me give us a thumbnail sketch of your background. How did you grow up? In terms of family, spiritually, church, yeah. that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I grew up in what I refer to, my parents don't like this term, but a nominally Catholic family. Yeah. Uh, and I say that because, uh, you know, they grew up uh, going to Catholic school and, you know, that kind of hardcore. Uh, and that experience led them to make sure that my brother and I went to a public school. Oh. Um, not that they hated it, but it just, you know, they wanted us to have a different type of education. So, but we grew up in a Catholic parish, uh, actually in Brooklyn Park, not yep. too far from here. Yep. Um, and there was a period of time where there was a particular uh, priest that ran that parish that they really, really liked. And so they were deeply involved and my brother and I, you know, just follow along with the family. Um, and then that priest left to go do something else and the new priest came in and it wasn't quite the same deal. And so I, I don't know that we were ever really, um, Christmas and Easter Catholic, so to speak. Um, but there were a period of time where we weren't as connected. And I never personally felt real connected to the church or real connected to that, even that particular parish. Um, and so while I was involved, you know, I was go through the first communion classes and I think it was in the reconciliation classes that I sort of just waved the white flag to my folks. And we had a big, there was a big discussion, big family meeting, uh, one time when I was somewhere in my early teens, yeah. um, where I basically told them, look, I'm not getting anything out of this. I don't buy it. I'm not interested in it. Um, I'd rather stay home on Sundays and watch football, which is ironic now because I can't stand the NFL. Um, <laughs> but there was that period of time where I just, I had, I had no interest in it. I, un- I understood that, you know, I'm living in my parents' household. If they tell me I got to go to church, I got to go to church. Uh, but I basically let them know that, that I was, I was not going to be happy about that and that I was going to let them know that I wasn't going to be yeah. happy about that. And it was a big conversation because, you know, they had differing views. And my dad thought, you know, Hey, we're his parents. Sometimes we got to make him do stuff he doesn't want to do, uh, for his benefit. And my mom was of the mind of, you know, he seems like he's made up his mind here and mm. sooner or later we got to you know pull back a little bit and let him make his own decisions. Um, and that ended up being kind of the view that, that won out, um, as much as she, I think she wanted me to still go to church, you know, she wanted me to make that choice for myself. And I did, and I stopped going and I stopped going for, you know, 20 plus years easily. Um, 
I had gotten to a point where math and science and logic and reason and those things in school that I was good at made sense to me and spirituality and supernatural uh, elements of the Christian faith didn't. And, um, and those two things felt like they were totally opposed to one another, right? Or, or, I don't know if I or say, you've been taught that they were? I don't know that I would even say that. I would say that um, they were just different. That, you know, I drifted towards the one that made sense. I drifted yeah. towards the one that, that felt logical and reasonable and... and and I was good at, mm -hmm. and the other one I just sort of put to the side and stopped paying attention to it. Yeah. Um, and so I was in that mode until boy, it was uh, it was 2011 uh, that I went back to church for something other than a wedding or a funeral for the first mm -hmm. time. Why? Um, because I met a friend of mine. I had gotten to a point where we had talked about this in the past a little bit. I don't know that I was ever at a point where I became a full-on atheist. I did make the embarrassing remark one time to my folks of all people uh, that. I had come to believe that the only thing religion was good for was starting wars. Wow. And I'm horrified to say that now, uh, although I think there's still an element of truth to mm -hmm. it, you know, to a degree, it's a very unnuanced view on, on what religion is and what faith and spirituality really are. Um, so, you know, I got to a point where I don't know that I was a full-on atheist, but I was absolutely, I was as far along the agnostic spectrum as you can get without being a full-on atheist, yeah. I guess. I just, it wasn't that I didn't believe God exists, I just didn't care. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that was sort of where I was. And so I met, a, I, but I got to a friend as I got older in life, to go back to why I left, you know, when I was looking at math and, and science and stuff like that, that I was good at and, and that made sense, um, I, I began to believe that you couldn't have both, that you mm -hmm. couldn't, you know, be a person of reason and logic and science and believe in God and believe in supernatural and believe in spirituality and have faith. Um, and yet, I, as I got older, I met very, very smart people uh, who believed in both of those things and didn't see any kind of conflict in that. Um, and that sort of reoriented my, my thinking a little bit. And it was sort of a series of things where I, I got to a point in life where I was like, okay, I see this thing that other people have, and I'd kind of like to have something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, not Christianity. I can't be a Christian, right? But, but <laughs> some, some, sort, some of faith. sort of faith or spirituality or community in, in and around those sorts of issues. Um, I saw people having that and I sort of wanted it. And I was talking to a friend of mine who I knew uh, had grown up in a very fundamentalist evangelical family um, and still was a person of faith. Uh, so maybe I was asking without asking, but mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. she at one point just stopped and said, hey, you should come to church with me. Uh, and no, I couldn't possibly do that because if I walk into a church for a purpose other than wedding or a funeral, lightning's gonna strike the <laughs> building and fry everybody and I can't possibly be responsible for that. Um, but you know, thought about it and thought about it and thought, okay, well, it isn't going to hurt anything to just go. Uh, um, and so, yeah, I went to actually of all places, uh, Bethlehem Baptist Church with wow. John Piper was the first place that she took me. Wow. Um, but took me there because she knew of my Catholic background and knew that that would feel, you know, churchier to me. Mm -hmm. I think the second place we went, of course, is Woodland Hills and Greg Boyd, and that's a completely other experience. And had <laughs> that been the first experience, I don't know if I'd be sitting in this room with you today, but... Um, and I love, I wanna, don't get me wrong, I love Greg, but I want to pause and yeah. just cause maybe lots of people don't even know who John Piper or Greg Boyd is, but here in Minnesota, in terms of the, the church world, there, mm -hmm. there just couldn't be two more diametrically opposed people that really are in the same tribe. Yes. Um, but they just couldn't disagree more on, on more things. And so it's hilarious to me yeah. that you go to Piper and then you go to Boyd. Yeah. Did, did you, well. Go ahead. Keep I mean, I, I didn't know. I mean, to answer the question I'm anticipating that you were going to ask, I had no idea, you know, of the theological spectrum mm -hmm. and where yeah. those guys you know, felt on it. What What was interesting about it is that the thing that they both share, uh, and I still would argue this, is uh, 
it is a very, very strong intellect and a deep and abiding passion for, for God, for Jesus, and for go. sharing their views on that with for other sure. people. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can see either of those two men preach and not feel almost, almost overwhelmed yeah. by how smart they are and how passionate they are mm -hmm. about what it is they believe. Yeah. Um, and that's what I locked on to actually okay. more than the initial theology yeah. is here's some guys that are really, really smart. And that's obvious right out of the gate. So this whole notion that I had of you can't be a smart person and be a person of faith just got exploded immediately. Yeah. Um, and once, once that was gone, then you're sort of left with reorienting yourself entirely about how do I feel about faith? How do I feel about uh, Christianity? How do I feel about that worldview? Um, because all of the assumptions that I had and the presuppositions that I had were now gone. And would you say, Dan, would you add, I mean, it, it sounds to me like the main presupposition that got blew up, got blew up, that blew up was you, you can't be smart and be a person of faith. Yep. That was, that was the big, that was the big, that was the big hurdle. Okay. Um, and like I said, you know, I, I had seen leading up to that kind of period of my life, I'd seen other people who I viewed as very intelligent people mm -hmm. who were also people of deep faith. So I, I it sort of had that wall begin to get knocked down. Mm -hmm. And it was when I saw those guys and, and listened to their preaching and, and started digging further into it. That's when the rest of the wall kind of exploded and, and was gone. Yeah. And then you sort of left in the spot with, okay, what do I want to replace this with? Because this worldview that I had that you, yeah. you know, couldn't have both of these things in your life is now no longer existent. And it's like, okay, well, wait a minute. Now what do I replace that with? Mm -hmm. And that began the journey that I've been on, like I said, for about the last seven years or so. so. Okay, so where did you, and by the way, there is a biplane above, like, that is just circling our house right now. I think somebody's mowing their lawn. <laughs> is it a lawnmower? I think with like, well, it's like a long tractor. Is to me, it sounds like. like a plane. Okay. And I was thinking, they know that we're recording right yeah, now, maybe. so they're just circling. Yeah. Gosh. Anyway, um, yeah. so... You go to Piper's church, you go to yeah. Greg Boyd's church, you see these guys with tremendous intellect and passion. Mm -hmm. You Something is awakened in you. Yeah. What do you do next? Um, I start kind of bopping around to a bunch of different churches. Um, my, my friend, when, when she had gone, she'd gone to uh, Northwestern. Mm -hmm. And there was a period of time where they were, she and some of her classmates were doing, you know, the, the church shopping bit where they, where they would bop around to different churches and and evaluate them as I do scare quotes um, that you can't see on a podcast. Uh, but you know, they, so they'd evaluate these different. So she took me to a bunch of different places that she had been to and yeah. was aware of. And, and so I got to see a bunch of different styles of services, mm -hmm. a bunch of different locations for services. I, you know, again, I had this real kind of sheltered Catholic view of what church was. Mm. And so now venturing into the Protestant and evangelical oh, yeah. world, yeah. that was a completely other thing. Yeah. Um, and it was just really, it was interesting me, interesting to me on an intellectual level. Mm -hmm. And that's the first way that I engaged with God was intellectually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the spiritual stuff kind of came later. Um, but I was excited to, I'm always, I love learning stuff. I've yeah, always, yeah. you know, I was that, you know, kid that everybody hated in school because I actually enjoyed being there. Um, but I enjoyed, you know, I always enjoyed, there's so much to know about ourselves and about the world around us. And how cool is it that we have brains that allow us to pick up on different things and learn, here's this other thing that I didn't know before and now I do and now I can share it with people. How cool is that? That's yeah, just yeah. kind of how my brain works. So that was where I was engaging is trying to figure out, you know, how these services worked and, and, and the intellectual exercise of experiencing scripture and mm -hmm. experiencing God. That's, that's where I started. Okay. Uh, and so d was there a role that your brother played in this? Cause I know, you know, you, you and he are close yeah. and, um, and I think I might know how he would answer that question, but I, I, I wonder yeah, what you, I'd be curious how to you hear how, yeah, how yeah, you yeah. thinks he would answer that question. I, you know, the role that he played was one, 
of kind of encouraging mm-hmm. because I, you know, I don't know that he ever got as far away from the faith as I did, but I know he was away for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he met his now wife, um, she sort of ushered him back a little bit, or at least gave him a pretext to kind of come back and start reinvestigating mm-hmm. life and faith and, and spirituality. And so we were both kind of doing it at the same time, but from very, very different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a certain amount of encouragement and then, uh, the, the instrumental role that my brother played was in bringing me to Genesis Covenant Church. Yeah. Um, because he was a fan of yours, obviously, at, at Open Door. And then when you decided to, to start co- to start Genesis, um, he wanted to follow mm-hmm. me. And then it turned out that it was meeting literally five minutes from where I was living at the time. <laughs> so um, so while I wasn't at that point, I, w- I got to a point where I decided, okay, I'm in on Christianity. And I can we can talk about that story if you want. Um, yeah. I mean, in fact... Go there, now. go there now. Okay. Yeah. So we'll go there now. So that story came about. Um, I got to a point where intellectually I was, I was interested and mm-hmm. I, and I, you know, was involved and engaged. Um, but I kept waiting for this salvific experience. That yeah, I kept yeah, hearing, yeah. You know, the, the earth shattering, you know, the choir of angels and the ha ha ha, that kind mm-hmm, of, you know, mm-hmm. and that feeling I, I didn't have and yeah. I didn't know how to get, but I thought, okay, well, I, I got to get there or I can't really be in this thing. So I don't, but I don't know how to get there. And I actually reached out to several different people, including Greg Boyd, of all people. I sent him an email and got a response. And, and just talking to different people about, okay, how does this work? And I kept hearing the same thing, but I didn't understand it. It was, no, you got to just kind of jump in feet first and then, you know, the rest of it will take care of itself. Um, and that's not my personality. Yeah. I want plan. I want structure. Yeah. I want to know kind of how things, I don't need to know every detail. But I need a loose idea how things are going to go so that I can, you know, have some idea of what to expect. And so this whole notion of just, you know, no, just say yes to God and then you're good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Made no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until I heard a sermon uh, preached by a guy through Woodland Hills, through Greg's church. Um, the guy's name is Bruxy Cavey. Yeah, yeah. And he, he preached meeting house meeting in, house Toronto. in, in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, who's phenomenal. Yeah, if you guys have heard him preach, he's, he's, he's just a ten of a human being. Um, but it was... It was a it was a sermon on the atonement on atonement theory of all things, um, and he does the whole 38, 40 minute sermon, and then gets to the end and is doing a Q and A, and of course he's Canadian, so that's Q ampersand E H question mark, uh, that's okay. uh, which is fan- which is phenomenal. I love Canadians. Um, so he gets to the end and he's doing the Q and A, and he talked about how uh, you know the second most important Christian is question in Christianity was why did Jesus have to die, and that's mm-hmm. you know talking about the atonement stuff. But they actually, the most important question in Christianity, and again, this is the very, very, very end. The most important question in Christianity is asked by the jailer in Acts chapter 16 when he says, what do I have to do to be saved? Mm, mm. And that Paul's answer to that is just believe mm-hmm. and you and your whole family will be saved. That's Acts 16, 31, which mm-hmm. is tattooed on my right arm. Yeah. Um, be, and, and what Bruxy said is, is, look, it isn't about your view on the atonement. You know, Paul didn't ask him about whether he believed in penal substitutionary atonement or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about, you know, all the doctrines and all the dogmas and all the stuff that it can be really hard for somebody who's kind of coming into the faith to get their arms all around. Um, it's no, just, just believe, just say yes to God and we'll work on that stuff. The journey that, that mm-hmm. all that stuff that maybe worries you or you're scared of is part of the journey, mm-hmm. right? That, but you, to start, you really have to just accept, okay, there is God, there is Jesus, and he's my personal savior. And once you start there, kind of the rest of that stuff will sort itself out one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard that for some reason, all the t- people that have been telling me essentially that same thing, and I couldn't hear it, suddenly there it was. And I went, well, 
well, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And, that and that was it. I was just, I can remember, vividly remember hearing that, stopping and, saying, and then sending an email to some friends of mine saying, well, I guess I'm a Christian. Because <laughs> I did <laughs> that. Because I just did this. So, Well, I think it's fascinating on one level because I know you now yeah. and you haven't lost any of that love for science and, nope. and logic and things have to make sense and apologetics. But, um, so that none of that went away for you, but it's fascinating to me that it's like you of all people needed to hear, listen, like, I get it. I get your pat, but you, you actually can't figure it all out first. Yeah. It's a journey. It's a process. And that you jumped off that cliff is, is sort of surprising, but also makes sense. It's yeah. like you had to, you had to say, like you had to lay that down for, for a minute and then just say, okay, there's a trust here um, that, and, and, okay, so that's that. Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with the science and the math and all that stuff that I'm passionate about and still am. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I couldn't find, couldn't have found a way to make that resonate or make sense with, in terms of a spiritual Christian worldview, then I, wouldn't I, couldn't, have, yeah. I couldn't have ever gotten here. Right, right. Um, and there was a blog that I read, a friend of a friend sends me this thing. And, and in the blog, the guy talks about, because my big question was, how, why did God create a world that I can understand intellectually on a scientific basis? And then he doesn't allow me to know him the same way. Mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. How, why is that? That was a disconnect that I couldn't get over. And what, what this person suggested in the blog, and it makes a lot of sense, I think, and it was kind of the key for me to get over that hurdle, was that as soon as you reduce God to definable things, discernible things, the way that we understand you know, physics and chemistry, as soon as you reduce God to something like, require him to be in that box, mm-hmm. you've taken away the thing that makes him God. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that I, I didn't, I needed to know why, I needed to know why I didn't get to know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep, and, and, yep. and as soon as I figured kind of a way route around that, then all of a sudden, you know, five more dominoes fall and, and I'm that much further down the line. Yeah, well, it, it remind what you just said reminds me of what our friend Rabbi Allen oh, sure. uh, says mm-hmm. that that when Moses asks God God's name, God responds, "I will be what I will be," which is sort of a wink and a nod and a sort of a rascally answer, yeah. essentially saying, "Listen, don't I, I I can tell you that what I am right now, and you'll get about a third of it or three percent of it, mm-hmm. but um, there's so much more there that that's what I'm going to say. I will be what I will be." And that's the thing I think that excites me as much as anything about learning and growing in faith is that however much I learn, however much I grow, there's always almost an infinite amount, more amount of stuff to learn and, and right. ways to grow that, that you never get there. You yeah. just, you just keep going. Yeah, exactly. And it, I, I, I think there's a tension that we have to hold in that, right? Because we do want to know mm-hmm. more and more. And also we it, the minute we feel like we have arrived, mm-hmm. that we that what we believe exactly is the exact total truth, then we've just lost it. You know, yeah. like like then we've walked away from this mystery that is God. So, I, I agree with that wholly. I guess you know, for me, that's it, it's not as much of a trap, or I don't feel like that's as much of a trap. And that's sort of where I, because of the unique path that I come mm-hmm, to this mm-hmm. from, is I just want to know more. Yeah. You know, it's I don't want to get to a point where I think I know yeah, it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when you come into it later in life and you see all of these different perspectives, you realize there is no all of it to know. Yeah. That you know, there's different views and different theories and different dogmas and different doctrines, and people put different emphases on different things. But there isn't a point. There just mm-hmm. isn't that. That point doesn't exist. So it's yeah. not like I worry about getting there because I know it, it doesn't exist. Got it. Okay, so you let's let's fast forward a little bit, maybe yeah. a year or two. 
uh, and you start coming to Genesis mm -hmm. and I honestly can't remember. So let's say you came to Genesis in 2014. I, whenever it started. Whenever it started. You, I was at you, the first you were there. Summer, so yeah. And I remember meeting you and I remember yeah. you were interested, but like you kind of kept coming back despite yourself a yeah. little bit. Um, but then the lights really started getting turned on in you around theology and preaching even. Yeah. So like talk about when you first thought, man, I, I might have something to say. Well, yeah, I remember I can tell you that story very vividly. Um, because when I first thought I might have something to say, it wasn't like, I think I should be somebody that preaches. Mm -hmm. That was, that was never even in my head until much, much later. Um, so I work at a local radio station and it's a news talk station. And so there was a day where we showed up and one of the hosts that I worked with at the time wanted to talk about the survey that had been out, um, that said that it, it was an annual survey of, of, of American Christians and, and, or of American people, I guess, because some, you know, it was who identifies as what particular dom denomination or no denomination at all. And that a, a larger number of young people, millennials specifically identified as having no particular, not identifying with any particular um, denomination of any particular religion than ever before. Yeah. You know, that number was as high as it had ever been. Uh, and the conclusion of the study was that faith in God was dying. And I immediately got my back up over that because I'm like, well, first of all, religiously I object to that, but scientifically I object. That's mm. a conclusion you can draw sure. from that data. I don't know that it's the conclusion to draw from that data because I think what part of what's happening in the church, it, technology obviously is changing every part of our lives. But when I first came into Christianity, part of the thing that really drew me into the Protestant theme was this personal relationship with God. And mm -hmm. I misinterpreted that at the time as meaning that I could have a relationship with God without having to involve myself with anybody else. Mm. I'm a pretty strong in, introvert. So yeah, yeah. doing things on my own is, is just fine with me. So I thought I could go to whatever church I want. I could listen to podcasts. I could read books. I could do whatever I want. And that would be my relationship with God personally. Mm -hmm. And I didn't need anything else. That was naive at the time, but and I've come to completely change my view on that, but that's where I entered into it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think though that there are a lot of people that are in that kind of boat that, you know, realize that you can, if I don't necessarily have to go to a building, mm -hmm. be part of a group of people and listen to a sermon, I can listen to stuff online. I can read, I can kind of do my own thing. So while they may not identify with any particular dom denomination, that doesn't mean that they've lost faith per yeah. se. So, so, the, so the survey is maybe asking the wrong questions or not quite maybe, getting at or what, just not getting at the right, you know, answers to yeah. why people are, are answering that way that they're answering. And I, so I got all my back up. But what it led to was a conversation where this host asked all of us um, about, we talked about it a little bit and he said, well, okay, let's everybody around the room. We're going to answer the following question. Do you absolutely believe God exists? Are mm -hmm. you certain that there is a God? Mm -hmm. And the host himself was an agnostic and avowed agnostic. And he thought, well, you know, gave the agnostic answer. You know, there's something out there. I don't know what it is. I don't know that we can know what it is. So I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And then he went to the producer of the show, who's a Catholic. And yes, she absolutely believed that God exists. And he talks to the news guy that's a regular part of the show. And yes, he absolutely believed that God exists. And he turned to me, knowing at this point in my life that I was, you know, a fairly committed Christian and said, well, I don't even need to ask you, right? And I said, well, no, actually, you probably should. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, if you're asking me if I'm absolutely certain that God exists, the only answer I can give you is no. And he sort of recoils. What do you mean? Said, well, how can anybody be certain? Yeah. In a way that I you know I can drop a book and it will fall to the floor, so I'm certain gravity exists. You know, that's that's my where my brain goes when I think of certainty is something that I can show you. Yeah. Uh, look, this there's no other possible conclusion than this. Well, I can't do that with God. I can tell you the story of how I came to be a believer and why I choose to put my faith 
in you know the God of the Bible, but I can't show that to you in a way that necessarily is going to be 100% convincing to you. So I therefore can't be 100% certain yeah. that God exists. Um, I just think it's the wrong question. Yeah. You know, and as we talked about earlier, that, that's, that's the thing. And that was what I was trying to drill at. And that conversation, of course, it's radio. So you have like eight minutes and then you got to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the end of that conversation. But I couldn't get that conversation out of my head. It kept rattling around and rattling around and rattling around. And usually when that happens, uh, what I know is I've got to... I've got to write something. Yeah. You know, I, I love writing. And so I was going to sit down and I was going to write a blog post. Only you can almost, I don't know if this is your experience as a writer, but you can almost at times picture paragraphs. Mm. And that's usually how that works. That wasn't how this was working. Mm. Every time I pictured it in my mind, it was me speaking. Yeah. And I wasn't anywhere in the neighborhood of thinking that I should be a preacher at that point. And so, you know, I really, really fought with that because I'm like, I don't, why is it doing this? I don't have, I, you know, I didn't have the educational background. I had no training. I hadn't been to church for that long. Yeah. I, how do I know how to do this? I mean, I can't possibly do this, right? And I sat with that and I sat with that and it wouldn't go away. And eventually I decided I had to start talking to some friends about it. And the friends all told me to go talk to my pastor. <laughs> uh, so I did. I, you know, you and I sat down and I had actually written it yeah, all out. I remember. Uh, in spoken form. I mean, mm -hmm. it read weird, but you know, that's how I wrote it um, and just slid it across and said, okay, look, I told you this whole story and, and this is what I'm thinking and this is what I'm feeling. And I don't know what's going on here, but read this. And if you think it's something I should do, then let's do it. And next thing I know, I was up on stage at Genesis Covenant Church giving a sermon going, what in the world is going on right now? Um, oh, and it was so amazing though. People wow. are so blown away. I think by your um, your conversational nature, your yeah. your clear intelligence, love for um, rooting down to the to the depth of of the meaning of the text, and I remember being really kind of blown away by this is your first time that you've yeah. done this, and your 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 work with the text was really good. It was really sharp. You'd clearly thought about it a lot. And you were so comfortable uh, in front of those people. Well, and that's you know that's the blessing of you know this radio job is obviously there's a certain amount of public speaking that's mm -hmm. involved in that. Although usually, it's more of an awareness that there are people out mm -hmm. there listening. You don't have to see them, so when you're right. in a room full of people, that's a little different deal. But even that, I'd sort of lost the ter the the initial terror of public speaking back in college. I had a speech class and. About halfway through our second major speech of that semester, I looked around at everybody while well, somebody else was giving a speech, and I noticed that everybody in the class that wasn't the person giving the speech was either looking at their notes because their speech was coming up or wasn't paying a lick of attention because they'd already given theirs and they just didn't care, didn't care anymore. Yeah. And suddenly that fear of judgment, you know, which is what I think scares everybody about public speaking, was just sort of, mm -hmm. you know, oh, well, look, nobody's really caring, so why would <laughs> I fear the judgment of it? Yeah. So, yeah. so there, I had a certain level, comfort level of public speaking, but obviously I was terrified of lacking authority is way too strong a term no. but i mean just the I, justification for being up there yeah. you know i you know you know there's people that that are coming to this church to hear uh, hear something educational or spiritually moving and did i have the gravitas to actually do that and mm -hmm. i had no idea um even after having done it i knew i'm not kidding you within two or three minutes of starting i knew this was a good thing for yeah. me i yeah. knew that i, I had i had something yeah um but I didn't know afterwards. I had no idea how it might have landed with anybody mm -hmm. else. I mean, you told me right away, "Hey, you crushed it," and that was that was really um, helpful. But um, I didn't I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. And the number of people after that that came up to me and, yeah. and talked to me about it was just mind boggling. I just I was blown away by it. 
And so that really led to, I don't know how long it was till you gave your second sermon. Well, you asked me that day. Yeah. Uh, would you want to do that again? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I really oh, want to I do love that, that too. Yeah. Cause like, cause there is a thing, Dan, about like people talk about preaching as if it's hard work and it is, it is, and it's taxing and it is, mm -hmm. and it's, but good preachers love preaching yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. There's yeah. everything right with that. Yeah. So when you just have this reflexive, yes, mm -hmm. I, that's part. And the fact that you did such a, an amazing job it, it, and not impressive, but just really like that was really quality. Like mm -hmm. that was deeply meaningful, personal. It was good work. And, and the fact that then you said, yeah, I, yeah. I would like to. So how did you, do you remember? Was it six months? Was it three months? Was it nine months? Uh, it was several months down the line because mm -hmm. I, I want to say the second one was marathon weekend yeah. of that year. Right? So I think the first one was probably, how was it? Marchish, April or something like that. So, I mean, it was, you know, then to October mm -hmm. when the Twin mm -hmm. Cities marathon. Okay. So six months. Um, yeah. So it was somewhere in that range that the second okay. one came around. So um, the best comment after the second one, uh, a gal, and I don't wish I knew her name. I don't. She came up to me afterwards and she said, yeah, I really, I really loved your first sermon. <laughs> which was you know and and i get it because she was talking about her son yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. how it related to you know the relationship that she had with her son and, and it was it was so sweet and so nice of her but yeah yes and, and she even realized as she said yeah, that, that yeah, there was yeah, that yeah, implied yeah. kind of backhandedness to the compliment and this one was really good too yes. but i really liked the first one yes yes <laughs> and even in that with the fact that i was i heard that and i didn't really take it as any yeah, kind of insult because yeah. i knew what she yeah. was getting at and it just i don't know every time i've been up there and done it at some point it's felt right Mm -hmm. And, and it's, I mean, it's such a blessing obviously to have ever had that opportunity to begin with, but then to repeatedly get an opportunity to, to do it and to get a little better at it and to figure out how some certain things work and other things don't work. has just been, mm -hmm. um, like I said, there's always that intellectual exercise to it that I just love. Mm -hmm. And then there's a deep spiritual component of it that it, it resonates within me. Um, it, it, I just, I just adore it. So, so here's this radio guy and he's, uh, starting to preach now yeah. and so then you started you're you're you started wondering about seminary. You know what happened was that um, there were people that came, and this has been almost each time. Mm -hmm. Some after I've preached, somebody's come up and said something that made me think about some directional nature yeah. of my life. And, yeah. You know, we'll get to the podcast later, but that came after a sermon too. Yeah. Um, that after the it was really after the second one um, that people started coming up and saying, "Hey, is this a thing? Are you mm -hmm. you, you going to do this now?" Mm -hmm. um, which you know, I had no notion of actually ever entering any kind of, you know, vocational ministry. So no, you know, this is just something that I, I, I am so blessed by the community of Genesis that I just want to give back all the time. And so whatever I can do in whatever form that is, whatever, all the different volunteering, one of the, one of the uh, Christian Ankrum asked me at one point, uh, is there anything here you don't do? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of true. I, which kind of is, but that's the beauty of being part of a, a church early on is that, yeah. you know, you, obviously it's a, they need volunteers. So, mm -hmm. so you can try a bunch of different things mm -hmm. and, and the community has embraced me not only in the terms of the volunteering, but just in general in yeah. so many different ways that of course, anytime I get asked to do stuff, sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I want to do that. You know, I want to help. Um, so, you know, it's been such a blessing in that way, but that it was always just part of that volunteer. That's how I viewed it, you know, mm -hmm. initially. And then enough people kept at, Hey, is this a thing? Is this a thing? Um, that I started to think about even my mom at one point, Stan, when you talk about that place, when you talk about preaching, you light up in mm -hmm. a way that you don't yeah. other times. And I just think you need to know that. And I hadn't seen that until literally she said it and went, Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can see that now. Yeah. Um, and so all of that was sort of brewing around in my head. And then I thought, well, 
okay, maybe, you know, I could work at a church or in the, or at Genesis or in some way, shape or form. I mean, I can't go to seminary. That's ridiculous. You know, I got a full-time job and, and it's radio. The hours are always weird and shifting around. So trying to commit to any classes, it just isn't possible. So again, I reached out to my pastor and said, I think I want to get involved in this somehow, but you know, I can't do seminary. So how I know there are other paths to get into ministry. What are the other paths? And I laid all of this out for you. And, and <laughs> it was, it was such a classic God moment because, you know, I come into this, I want to do this thing, but I don't want to do it this way. And your immediate response is, I think you should go to seminary. Which if you know me, I don't throw that out yeah. lightly, not because, um, I don't think people like deserve to go to seminary, but but seminary is really not the best move for lots of people. It's hard and it's expensive yeah. and yeah. it's not convenient in a lot of ways. And, yeah, and which are all the reasons that I didn't want to do it. Yeah, um, and so for you to come to me and say, you know, this is what I think you mm -hmm. should do. I, well, my first thought, of course, is did you not listen to the last <laughs> ten minutes of me talking here? Did I just I just told you I don't want to do this? Why are you telling me I should do this? Um, but then of course you've now planted a seed and I start thinking about, and, and you explain ways in which it could work yeah. in my life and, and well, why, because of all of the intellectual engagement that I enjoy so much that it could be a very valuable experience for me. And we talked about the different kinds of pastors mm -hmm. that are out there. Like, I think there's not just one version of pastor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things you wanted to talk about too. Like, well, it, and that was the thing is because like I said, you know, I'm mm -hmm. trying to find some way into being part of this mm -hmm. in a more vocational way without having to go to seminary. And I, you know, so that was where I was yeah. trying to explore. Uh, and you know, God reached down and poked you, tapped you on the shoulder and you said the words that I needed to hear. And you know, here we are. Well, it's funny because I did break your brother's rule, uh, which this, this is what he did say, has said to me and, okay. and, and would say, and I know oh, yeah, it's yeah, true yeah. is, if you want Dan to consider doing something, you never tell him that he should do it. <laughs> yeah. You have to be like, huh, I mean, seminary could, I mean, it yeah. could be, could be. He, he, you know, he came to me at one point, God bless him. I love him to death. Um, came to me at one point, he goes, Dan, I finally figured you out, which is just terrifying <laughs> coming from, you know, your little brother that you battle with your whole life, right? Because he, he sees and knows you in ways that nobody for else sure. does. For sure. I finally figured you out. I'm like, what? He says, when I think you should do something, if I come and tell you, you should do something, your immediate response is no. And, and if I push at you to do it, you dig in and, and you just, you know, because that's why. But if I just sort of suggest something and then I shut up and step back and just let it marinate, you eventually come around and do, he says, you waste an incredible amount of time getting to the point where you do what I think you should do, <laughs> but eventually you get there. Um, and that, and that is in, you know, in so many different ways in my journey, in my relationship with God, that's sort of how God is. I recognize that instantly and in how God, he gives me these little nudges. Mm -hmm. I need you to go in this direction, Dan. And then, no, I can't possibly do that. I can't possibly play with the worship band. I'm, you know, I, yeah, I know how to play guitar, but I'm not that good. And I couldn't possibly be part of that. No, 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 you could do that. Dan. You can be part of that. And I think about it, I think about it. And all of a sudden there I am up there playing, you know, I couldn't possibly preach. Well, no, actually you probably could, you know, I couldn't possibly go to seminary. Well, actually there are some ways here's, here's kind of how, I could, you know, and if I think about it long enough, I get there. But I have to think about it. That's just me processing. But I love that because what you're saying is something I believe is true is that God respects our personality yeah. and works with it. Like there's it. I think so many of us have a picture of God just lightning bolt and you got to do it or not or, or do what I say or get out. And that's not my experience. No. And, and that's not your experience. Well, and I, I think if you think about the Bible, yeah. say that that's not if the Bible's 
the inspired word of God, if the Holy Spirit has, then why isn't the Bible spoken in one voice? Right, right. It's spoken in all kinds of voices yeah. because God creates all different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God created the people that wrote the different portions of the Bible specifically to put the Bible together in this certain way, yeah. that he had this vision in mind for how this was going to work. And so when he, when he created Paul, he created Paul with a certain personality that was going to then manifest in mm -hmm. this, in these texts that were, you know, and and the same with James and the same yep, with Peter yep, yep. And, and all the different biblical authors. I, and, and so, yeah, I think he absolutely does that with each one of us in various ways. And he knows me and he knows that, you know, I'm very calculated and considering and how I do things. So, okay, we'll just give you little nudges. And so when I started thinking about the seminary thing, uh, one of the questions that you asked me that was really, really pointed was you got to decide whether you want to be in ministry or whether you want to be in ministry in Genesis, because that may not be the path that you end up on. And if that's what you have your heart set on, then you may end up being disappointed. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of want the other thing, or maybe this isn't such a good idea. And I really took that to heart and kind of had come to a point where I said, you know, maybe that's right. Maybe I can just be as involved as I can be with this church and that'll be enough. And that's what I need to do. And I'm not kidding you. I came to that kind of conclusion or I sort of stopped in that spot. And within the next 48 hours, I had three different people that weren't connected in any way, shape, or form reach out and tell me that months after I had given that second sermon, they'd had a chance to listen to it. And, hey, this is really a thing. You're really good at this. You really should be more involved and you should be doing, you know. And it was, I mean, it was it was subtle and it wasn't subtle. I mean, the way that God is, right? It, it's, I had settled in a spot that wasn't where God wanted me to be. And he, you know, okay, guys, go get them. And, you know, it gives me well, three yeah, different you, just, you need several different moments of encouragement. Yeah. Or affirmation, and I think that's what I love is that God respects that yeah, about your personality. Absolutely. Now you had a, if I'm remembering this right, and I think I am, but you had a pretty significant conversation with your dad. Yeah. That that really helped you decide I'm going to seminary. Yeah, because you know one of the things that was really the, the kind of the final hangup was, um, you know, my financial situation was what it was, and now I'm going to be taking on school debt, and that seemed irresponsible to me in a way, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, I already have some financial issues that I needed to work on and now I'm just going to go out and take on all this other debt to go into seminary. That's, that's, that's not a terribly smart or irresponsible thing to do. And this, I have a very, very, you know, intensely responsible streak. I need to be responsible. And that is a hundred percent coming from my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when I sort of felt like I was, I was at that point, I thought, you know, if I had, look, you know, I'm a grown man. I don't need my father's permission to do something, but if I knew that he was in favor of it, mm -hmm. um, then it sort of would help me get over that that concern. Um, and so it was, they were up, my folks lived down in Phoenix. They've retired and lived down in Phoenix, but they were up for Christmas. And we were all going out. My brother's a high school basketball coach. So we were all going to go out and watch the game. And it ended up just however it worked with the, the you know, caravan that I was in with my truck with my dad and everybody else was in another vehicle with all the kids and the craziness. So the two of us were driving and I just said, hey, I got I to gotta talk to you about something. Yeah? And so I'm laying all this out. And I said, you know, I'm really, really, kind of torn up over this decision and it's entirely your fault because he, he looked like what and so i explained all that to him and he says really and i said yeah he says well not only am i in favor of this idea but your mom and i want to help you out financially because wow. we really think this is an important thing and you should go do this and it was just i mean had i thankfully i was you know i had my seatbelt on or i had fallen out of the vehicle <laughs> because i was sure that my mom was going to be in favor of this idea and my dad was going to be kind of skeptical about it and so to have him come at me and say no this is and be so encouraging or you no know, you really should do this it was like oh man and that was the decision right there okay so gosh you're you're you continue to preach yeah you're in seminary now mm -hmm. and then you have an idea to start a podcast right so i'm just literally this week 
started my, as we record this, started my second year of seminary. I started yep. my, the second fall semester. Um, and so after uh, the last sermon that I gave was on Trinity Sunday mm-hmm. uh, and was in a theology class at that point, we had talked about the doctrine of the Trinity. And so that just all kind of meshed together, right? Well, obviously this is what I'm going to talk about and why, why that, not so much the nuts and bolts of the doctrine per se, but what looking at God as Trinity has to teach us mm-hmm. and, and practically. And, and so after the sermon, um, somebody in Genesis came up and said, you ever thought about starting a podcast? Cause it'd be kind of cool to mm. learn seminary without actually having to go to seminary. <laughs> like, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, but again, you know, I'm working full time. Yeah. I'm going to school full time. I've got, you know, some semblance of a life where, when in the world am I going to do a podcast? That can't possibly happen. I couldn't possibly do that. No, of course not. No. Uh, but I think about it. Let's see. Well, actually, if I did this and I did that, I could do, you know, uh, and I talked to you about it, obviously in terms of, you know, what, what the equipment, uh, cost would be and so on and so forth. And suddenly I, I'm having, a, okay, well, I could do an episode on this stuff. I could do mm-hmm. an episode on these things. And this idea started to take place that I, I don't want to say I come to faith from a unique perspective, but I come from one that probably isn't standard. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and seeing what I'm learning and what I'm experiencing in seminary through that lens, and then being able to communicate that to people seems to have value based on the feedback that I get. It seems to have some sort of value. People would be interested in that. Um, so what if I started doing a podcast where it was literally, here's the stuff that I'm learning in class over these last weeks or months. Uh, and here's why I think it's important or exciting or interesting or whatever. And they just snowballed from there. Yeah. So you're maybe 20 episodes in or a dozen or I'm closer to a dozen at this point. I want to say the last, I want, it was either 10th or 11th episode was Mm -hmm. the last one that I finished. And so I've hit this, you know, I hit this period of time in between summer semester and fall semester where there really isn't a whole lot going on. Uh, and so I decided, okay, I'll just take a little bit of break. And when fall kicks up, I'm sure that there's going to be more, you know, stuff that's going to leap out and go, oh yeah, this is an episode. And yet it's already happened. And literally I'm two days into the semester and I went, oh yeah, this is what I could talk about. Yeah. So yeah. There'll be more episodes coming here pretty quick. But I love it too, because it's unlike this podcast, which is 40 minutes or 50 minutes or however long I want to do it. Yeah. Your podcast is shorter. Uh, talk about how long it is and why you chose that particular venue. Well, so if people are familiar with, with Greg Boyd's podcast, None of those are more than maybe 10, 12 minutes at the most. And mm-hmm. they're usually centered more around the five to seven minute range. Mm-hmm. And that always annoyed me when I'd listen. Cause I love, again, I love, I could listen to Greg read the phone book. It's, yeah. it's, he's great. I, but you know, you get to the end and okay, well, I want more. Mm-hmm. Well, where, where's more, you know? And the guy that produces his uh, podcast is a guy by the name of Dan, Dan Kent, who I've gotten to know a little bit. And is a super, super guy. Um, and I heard him explain it once where he said, he did, they do that on purpose because A, it creates that, you know, you want more mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And B, it gives people the flexibility to say, I don't have 40, 50 minutes to sit and listen to something, but I got 10. Yeah. And so you can binge them. And if you've got 40, 50 minutes, you can listen to five, six of them in a row. Or if you've got 10 minutes, you can listen to one. And I love the idea of that kind of flexibility. I also love the idea of saying, you know, I can take a topic now and I can spread it out over three, four episodes. Um, and I can record it all in one shot and then, you know, put it out at such a pace where I'm still putting out content, but I'm not having to sit and record constantly. Yeah. And so that, you know, in terms of trying to fit this into my schedule, that was appealing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, so I, I think there's an appeal for listeners. And I think obviously it, it helps me out in terms of balancing out my schedule. Well, I think you do such a good job of explaining things like your, yeah. your sermon on the Trinity. I remember I was driving in St. Paul when I was listening to it, driving down, um, summit avenue i think and i remember thinking gosh this is one of the best 
sermons I've ever heard on the Trinity. It's about 20 minutes long. Yeah. And it's very helpful, informative, clear about what it is, what it isn't. And it's not the egg, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. the air. I and, was I was so nervous about that because if yeah. we get to the all plays and, and people who aren't Genesis folks aren't necessarily understand the whole notion of all plays, but there's a lot of back and forth at Genesis, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of, of asking questions of the people that are sermon that are, are preaching to the crowd and, and allowing them to answer. And so I knew that those uh, Trinity analogies will be what I want. I had no idea whether people would know or not. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what other people don't know. Um, and it was spectacular as A, they hit exactly the ones that I were hoping they would hit. <laughs> uh, and B, they came up with a couple others that I thought were, mm -hmm. were hilarious and, and wonderful. And, and it just, it made that whole experience that much better. So um, yeah, that I was so nervous about that. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Okay. So the podcast is called yeah. the unlikely seminary. Yes. Thank you for the title. I'll, and yeah. the, the hilarious thing about that is I'm terrible at titles. Yes. I, I don't yeah. know how to title things. Yeah. Any good title that I've ever had is because someone else came up with right. it. Like my agent, my, my publishers, they, they always like give me that condescending sort of email. Like mm. oh, that's pretty good. It's kind of close. But anyway, so, um, good efforts. Yeah. Good, good effort. Yeah. But but it, that hit me like, oh yeah. no, th this is it. Well, and when you sent me the email, it was that was the first one mm -hmm. in the email, yeah. and I I had given you some ideas of things, that, and I because I wasn't thinking of it in terms of my whole story. Yeah, I was thinking of it as you know I want to talk to people about the things that I'm learning in seminary, and so mm -hmm. that was kind. Of, but I didn't see that as part of this larger story of my faith journey, and mm -hmm. with that title, the unlikely seminarian, uh, immediately embraces mm -hmm. everything yeah. that I'm bringing to it, and and focuses on the fact that I'm, maybe I'm seeing things in ways other people aren't for sure. And trying to communicate that becomes the the core of the podcast. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. So we're going to put that on the show notes, a link to your podcast, The mm -hmm. Unlikely Seminarian. I encourage you uh, guys to subscribe, listen to a few. Uh, what are some of the topics that you've hit so far? Well, so what I, I started out with sort of autobiographical stuff. Yeah. Um, just because, again, you know, I wanted to explain to people where I was coming from and why, you know, why am I titling this The Unlikely Seminarian? What's unlikely about me being in seminary and what does that mean for what I'm trying to do with the podcast? So the first handful of episodes are talking about my least favorite subject, me. Um, and then I did a couple, actually, I had just gotten a tattoo not too terribly long ago that was faith-based. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And when I started digging into theological stuff, it was like, whew, okay, now I can stop talking about me. Now I can talk about theological stuff. So um, I think the very first one, the last one that I did, I'm blanking. I should have, should have had a list in front of me. The last ones that I did were on complementarianism and egalitarianism mm -hmm. and and how I how I believe that we put we create a false binary mm. with those two and mm. they actually exist on a spectrum and have a whole lot more mm. interactivity with each other mm. than than either side really wants to believe um and the danger of making that a binary mm -hmm. um and i sort of link that to modern politics and, and so on and so forth. but it's sort of you know one episode is it, you know here's what definitely definitionally complementarianism is and here are its strengths and here are its weaknesses. And then the next episode is talking about egalitarianism. And then the third episode sort of ties them together and says, okay, this is why I end up where I end up on that mm -hmm. spectrum. And this is why I insist that it's a spectrum and not a binary mm -hmm. argument. Yeah. So um, that was one. And I'm completely blanking on what was the series before that. I'd have to go back and check for you. But So really listeners could listen to whatever episode they want. I mean, you don't necessarily, it's not a serial podcast. You don't it, it have to go in order. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you don't have unless, to go. Unless you're in a series, of that's course. That's just it. That, I mean, you don't, you know, it, it's, there's sort of groupings by, by, by series, topic, yeah. uh, by topic. And, and each one, I try to paint each one where um, you could understand pretty quickly where the series started and, and get caught up on that. Um, 
and so there's recaps, you know, mm-hmm. a little brief. Okay. In the last episode I talked about X, Y, or Z. Um, and here's what we're going to talk about now. Um, oh, and I remember the previous series was the messianic secret. Oh yeah. That's why I couldn't remember it. It's a secret. Uh, <laughs> But that was one of the things that left out of me. I had a summer class, a New Testament survey summer class. And one of the very first things we talked about was the Gospel of Mark. Mm. And it's something where I had seen in the Gospel previously, Jesus talking about, you know, he had healed somebody or he performed some miracle and immediately told the person, don't tell anybody about it. Mm. Why would he he say that? And I had had that question a bunch of times, but I never really thought about digging into it. And now here it comes out in in, in my seminary class. And here's a very, very reasonable answer of why he does it that way. and I just thought that was, that's the sort of stuff where, oh, hey, this, there, there's a question that you have when you read scripture. And guess what? There's actually an answer to it. And here it is. And here you get to learn it and know it. And now you can share it with everybody. And it, suddenly all of this stuff that exists in those scripture passages that you didn't know was there before comes leaping off yeah. the page at you. And how neat is that? It's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think you have a, such a great way of both understanding it, digesting it for yourself, so that when you explain it, it's it's very understandable without dumbing it down. Right. I mean, and that's what I love about it. I think you're a master at that. Well, thank you very much. It's um, very kind of you. It's very, very good. I so. think it's, it's you know, again, to me, it's always a matter of excitement to see that, you know, there are things that you didn't know before that now you get to know. Um, I find that exciting. And so I get excited and I want to be able, I, I almost learn those things by thinking, how would I explain this to somebody yeah, else? Yeah, exactly. And that helps me learn it. And then if I can then turn around and use that, how would I explain it to somebody else, you know, for a podcast or a sermon or whatever else, then that's just, you know, gravy. But I think because of your personality, you're very thorough. Like I can tell you've you've gone through three or four iterations of mm-hmm. it in making it more clear so that by the time it comes to recording the podcast or preaching a sermon, it's certainly not perfect, but it's at that place where it's it's been through several yeah. bakes. You know? I um, there's a running joke amongst the Genesis staff when they know that I'm preaching at some point in the future. <laughs> it's true. I yeah, I mean, it's turned around. You know, have you started yet? And it's like three months away, and the answer is usually yes. Um, just because, and, it, and part of that was, you know, the very first time that I did it. Of course, I'm scared out of my mind. Yeah. I don't know hey, how is this going to work. Is anybody going to believe that I'm actually what I'm saying is worth saying? That I wanted to make sure I had it right. Yeah. And so I wrote it mm-hmm. way ahead of time and I rehearsed the, the jabbers out of it. There was one sermon I did uh, and we talked about it where uh, it was based on the burning bush story mm-hmm. in, in Exodus. And so I'd heard this thing at a scripture circle with Rabbi Allen of all people that really it was an exciting way of looking at that story and what that story could, t- could tell us. And when I looked at the lectionary, which Genesis follows the rise kind of lectionary, it showed up like seven months later. Mm-hmm. And so I really made you circle that day yeah, and said, yeah. I no, need I to talk that. on that yeah. day. You know, so so I and, and I joked in the sermon about having prepared the sermon for seven months, <laughs> which, you know, it was a bit hyperbole, but only a bit. You know, I mean, I really did work on that for a long yeah. time to make sure I had it the way I wanted to have it so that when I gave it, I didn't, ha- it wasn't reading it. I wasn't, you know, talking from notes in a way that made it sound like it was disjointed. You know, I wanted to tell a story in a way that, you know, people got it. But the last time you preached, you decided not to have a manuscript. You, yes. You, and, and how did that go? Um, interestingly, mm-hmm. um, there, it was, there was one part that I forgot to do early and I worked it in later. Um, but I think that would have happened even if I had the manuscript. When I, when I write out a sermon and I write it all the way out, it's not like I'm, again, I'm up there sitting there reading. I've rehearsed it to yeah, a point yeah. that I know it yeah. well enough to be able to give it. I have the, the script there in case I need to go back and, mm-hmm. and you know, reorient myself. Um, but it's not like I'm really referencing it all that much other than maybe the scripture passages. But yeah, I decided this time I wasn't going to write it all the way out and that I would make, I would have a Bible up there with me and I'd have the, mm-hmm. you know, 
tags where I needed it to be able to go to those passages and read the passages that I needed to read, uh, but that I just have an outline. Um, and again, it just, there was a bunch of rehearsal and I sort of had it down and sort of, yeah, okay, I don't have to write this thing all the way down. If I know kind of where I want to go and have some bullet points, then I'm going to be okay. But even that is fascinating to me because I've been through many iterations yeah. of that where I, I've manuscripted, I've used the laptop, I've, you know, there's been so many things. And I think that's part of, of nuancing and mastering mm -hmm. this craft of sermonizing because it's not just one thing. It's not just one, you don't just get one form of it down right. and you stay there. Well, maybe some people do, but I don't find that. Well, and I think, you, you know, know. The, one of the beauties of the, of the lectionary, following the lectionary, is that it sort of forces you to, to approach Scripture in different ways, right? Yeah. I mean, you have the Old Testament passage, a psalm, a New Testament mm -hmm. passage, and a gospel every week that you get to pick from as to what you're going to preach. And I've tried really hard to be moving around in and amongst those different forms because the very first class you take in seminary is hermeneutics, right? Yeah. That explains to you the different forms that all these texts come in and why they're done in these different ways and what value there is to the ways that they each, you know, type of text approach it. So, yeah, I want to experience all of that, and I want to be able to communicate all that to people. So it, it's forced me to, to be somewhat nimble in terms of trying to figure it out. And, I, you know, one of the early churches that I went to as I was first exploring this all this journey, I saw a guy sit on a stage with notes in front of him, and he essentially read the sermon. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like somebody was reading you a book. And yeah. it was one of those things where I saw it, and I just went, whatever. And I, it wasn't even that I was thinking of doing it at that point. But I'm just, okay, that's not ever anything I want to do or see done or be part of because that just was a huge turnoff to me. Talk to me. Look yeah, at me. Yeah, yeah. Don't look it on at your notes and, and talk to your notes. Talk to me. And this is supposed to be a really personal experience, you know, experiencing a sermon. And so that was that was something that lodged in my head early on to the point where when I actually did start thinking about preaching, that was never ever going to be a consideration. So. Well you bring up an interesting point because, you know, um I've known enough pastors out there to, you know, there's a lot of things you got to be good at as a, as a pastor, you got to be good at listening to people and being in a hospital and all these things, but none of us are good equally at all those things. Yeah. And so maybe those of us that love preaching and maybe that would be higher on the list, maybe me, maybe you, uh, boy, we're going to have some other things yeah. down the list that, that someone's going to be sitting across from us in a coffee shop and, and saying, Oh my gosh, you're totally preoccupied. You're not listening to me. Well, you and, know, and I think, you know, uh, Again, when I was first exploring the idea of going to seminary or being in vocational ministry, I expected my mom to be real excited about it. And she was more hesitant than mm -hmm. I, I expected. And she knows me. She knows I'm an introvert. She knows that I struggle with social situations at times. Um, she's, you know what? Real, part of this is being around people and you know being you know, in relationship. You, you know that, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that's not your favorite thing to do in the world. I, it, I said... It isn't in certain contexts, yeah. and I, but I'm learning to love it in the context of the church and in the context of faith and in the context of that community. Um, so I get, I, I, it was a consideration that I had made, mm -hmm. um, but it was one where, you know, it, I, it still is, is something that I'm not great at. Yeah. And I knew that I would never be great at that, you know, leading, leading small groups or even being a part of a small group is not something that I'm super, super comfortable with. Um, but I'm growing. That's part of the, where I'm growing. And part of the reason that I want to go through seminary is I think it's going to aid in that growth, mm -hmm, you know, for sure. One of the very first things they have you do is the spiritual formation assessment. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that affirmed everything that I'd sort of figured I knew about myself coming into that good and bad. Um, but it, it really kind of gave me a kick in the butt to, to move in certain directions, uh, both spiritually and, and relationally with mm -hmm. people. Um, and I think, 
my relationship with people at Genesis uh, has improved based on a lot of the stuff that I'm experiencing and oh, going yeah. through in, ser- in seminary. So. For sure. Okay, man, I think we are out of time because I have to go uh, to a parent, well, not a parent teacher conference, a back to school. Oh, my. Night for my middle schooler, Dan. Oh, I know. I'm I a middle schooler. Now. I have a nephew who's driving, and that just trips me out yeah. something fierce. So yeah, every, every time I see him, like a video that yeah. Mark or Ashley posts on about yeah. his basketball, it's like I can't believe that little guy is now like yeah. full not, on not teenager. Little. No, yeah, he's bigger little. than me. And, yeah, and he went out this summer and got shredded. I mean, he did all I, kinds of working out. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing. It's crazy. Uh, well, thank you so much, Dan. Well, thank you. I yeah. mean, obviously, you've been a huge support and 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 encourager and mentor for me in this whole process, both. Uh, in terms of my involvement in seminary and involvement in preaching, and then even in the podcast, you've been you've been such a tremendous help, and I'm Ooh. I'm blessed as all get out that Ooh. you wanted to take the time to talk to me here and, and put this out there. And I hope folks will you know unlikelyseminarian.com. I hope they'll go check it out and take a listen and and feedback. I love 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 feedback, and there's an email link there that hopefully people will uh, respond. Yeah, so check it out. We'll put on the show notes as well. So stevewings.com/slash/show-notes. We will also link to Dan's Trinity sermon. I think that would be a fun one, so I'll do that. Um, I'll put the link to the Unlikely Seminarian, uh, the website, but also if you're an iTunes person, well, we'll just go to the website and then they can click on it from there. Uh, Was there any last thing that you you would hope I would ask you that I haven't asked you? That's a great question. And it's one I should have seen coming and I totally didn't. Uh, No, I don't know that there is. I think, you know, um, I hope people understand that you know, I don't come to this with any kind of, uh, arrogance or, you know what I mean? I, I you yeah. know, that's, it, there's always something where when you're doing a podcast or when you're talking to people that why should the, anybody listen to you? Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's not that I feel like I have something that nobody else has, but yet I do. Yeah. And it's not that I'm, that doesn't make me better than anybody. It just makes me, you know, a unique child of God, which we all are. Um, and so I bring that perspective and if anybody finds any value in it, boy, that's just fantastic. But I think that's, that comes through whenever you do the podcast or preach, but also that's the thing great about the podcast. Like no one will listen to it unless they want to. Right. Exactly. Same with mine. So like when they listen to it, you know, they, they're doing it because they want to, they're not getting any money for it. No. Uh, they're not getting any credit for it for school. They're just doing it because they, they are picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing that is I, I just, I enjoy I enjoy learning these things and I enjoy sharing what I'm learning with other people. And that's really the whole focus of the podcast. So, well, check it out. You guys, the unlikely seminarian, Dan cook and uh, get into it. You will be very happy that you did. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. Hey friends. Thanks so much for listening to this good word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash this good word. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.